Welcome back to Talks Against the Grain, where we have your two hosts, Jefton and Trutha. And today we're going to be talking about some exciting topics. We want to kick it off with Christians and guns. So uh, let's get right to it. Uh, Christians and guns. Um, Bradley, you want to kick us off or what you thinking? Ah, feel free, man. Set the tone for us. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Christians and guns. I have always, well, not always. I Growing up in the suburbs, guns was never a, uh, you know, a topic where we, you know, guns wasn't, guns weren't always readily accessible for me, right? A lot of times they, it, it I, so I wasn't raised with guns in my house. I didn't have guns around me. I didn't have family members with guns. Um, but when I heard one Christmas that my cousin was getting a BB gun, I remember being super excited. But I say all of that to say I never truly had guns around me. And so uh, the idea of Christians and guns didn't really uh, jump out at me until I became older and uh, matured in the ways of the Lord. And so um, we, I, I started to talk about it with a few friends. I started to throw the idea out there and, and just to gauge people's you know, thought processes. And sure enough, I had like some super saved friends who was like, when you got Jesus, you don't need guns. Um, yeah, I mean, he and he went on to say, you know, man, I got the power so heavily on my life to where if an intruder were to come in my home, all I would have to do is plead the blood of Jesus over him. I wouldn't even need any tools. I wouldn't even <laughs> need any straps, any guns. So, but then I also had some, you know, some family, some friends who talk about guns and some other friends who also raise the idea that, well, I got to protect me and mine. So my own personal stance on Christians and guns is do whatever makes you feel um, safe. I, I, I know with my mixture of God's protection and my mixture of paranoia and me still thinking I, I, I got a little toughness left on the inside of me. I know what all that combined. I don't have guns. Um, I, I feel like it's going to be a sad day for an intruder if he comes in my home with me in it. And so <laughs> I still think I got a little bit of fight left in me. And so for that reason, I don't have guns. But um, like my dad has said it uh, best, when you get my age, you don't you, you aren't able to uh, he calls it fisticuffs. He says you don't have the fisticuffs in you anymore. So um, I don't know. For me, I don't carry guns. I don't have any guns. I mean, I say that confidently because um, it just is what it is. Um, but it, it will be a sad day for any intruder that thinks he could come in my home with me in it and my family in it. So Christians and guns. So, but but, but that's for me. But for the idea of it. Um, Scripture, I mean, the things that jump out to me is you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Um, the things that come jump out to me really are um, that we, I think to myself, what is the mindset when, because the most common idea is when an intruder comes in. And so, but for those Christians that walk around with guns, what is the mindset? I've always wanted to know that. What is your mindset with having a gun? Because for me, I've always been taught guns were to do one thing, and that's to kill. I mean, guns are not for toys. They're to take a man or woman's life. And so for me, that hits too, that, that, that hits too deep. I can't be able to have that on my conscience. Uh, it, 
and, and you know, in such a way to where it's instantaneously. Like mm-hmm. if an intruder were to come in my home, I may be able to um, stop him. I may be able to, you know, just, you know, stop him and, and be able to call the police and not have to take his life. But with the gun, it's instantaneous. And so I always have wondered um, in the ba- in the back of my mind somewhere, I've always wondered the idea of Christians when they carry guns and have guns like you know that it's to take a man's life. How are you going to deal with that? What is your thought process? Does God even cross your mind or does your flesh cross your mind? If somebody were to cut you off on the road, are you pulling a gun or are you pleading the blood of Jesus? I've always wondered those things. And so uh, for me personally, guns are just not a thing that is, you know, it's not a big deal for me. I don't necessarily need one and they're expensive. So. (laughs) Yeah, I feel where you're coming from. Um, I definitely feel where you're coming from on a lot of those points. So. I'm not a gun owner, uh, not because I don't want to be a gun owner, <laughs> but mainly just because I just haven't taken the time to work all that out. I'm in Illinois and it's a little bit, it's a little more difficult, I think, to get, to have a gun in Illinois. So it's a lot more it uh, is. hula hoops you got to jump through. So I just haven't taken the time to actually go through with it. Uh, there's some interest in me doing it, but I don't know for certain if that's something I'm going to do. So it's a situation for me where I can see it both ways. I can see it both ways. I look at it from a perspective, from the perspective as a citizen of the United States, where we do have the Second Amendment, which gives us the right to bear arms. So we do have that as an option. But it's one of those situations where and it's so funny, like I, I was I forgot who I was talking to, but. Uh, you know, some people take their amendments so seriously to the point where like, just because it's there, you know, they feel that they have to do it or they feel that there shouldn't be any uh, checks and balances when it comes to this, the uh, amendments and things like that constitution, which I get that. I think coming from a background of being growing up, born and raised in the inner city of Chicago, being around people, having friends that, have had guns and stuff like that, not legal guns, but who, uh, you know, just being around that level of violence and so on and so forth. The connotation that I have with guns is always in the sense of like revenge. So like it probably, uh, lends itself to the verse that you talked about, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. Cause that was just the mentality. Most people with guns that I knew have, and even still to this day, some folks with legal guns, I feel like that's still, is a lot of the energy that they have. And this is not normative to all people. There are very responsible gun owners out there. So I guess when we talk about guns in the terms of like, should Christians own guns or should they not own guns? I have no problem with a Christian owning a gun personally. And I think it's a matter of, it's just like a lot of things, right? So it's a matter of the heart. It's like, okay, I don't have a problem with Christians having tattoos. I don't have a problem with Christians doing X, Y, and Z. It's all about the heart at the end of the day. Where, What is your heart in getting a gun? What is your heart in doing X, Y, and Z? So, you know, there are people that like to hunt and things like that. And so they, I, I would consider hunting along the lines of like more sporting, more uh, just uh, something that you're doing for fun. At least that's my opinion of it. I haven't went hunting, hunting, so I don't know. Obviously, you have some people that hunt for food to actually eat. So they kill a deer, not just to kill it, but to eat the deer. So 
there's some people that use it for food. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in some ways, it's probably not just solely for the sake of, like, sport and fun, but, like, they probably do it to actually feed their families. But my logic is if you do it for a sport, it's just a hunting, uh, that's fine to each their own. That's not a sport that I would play personally, but I'm not going to condemn it either because I don't think it's anything wrong in and of itself. But I do think it's very important that you identify the type of person that you are if you're going to be a gun owner. So, Jeff, you made a good point about yourself where you're like the level of paranoia that you have. A gun may not be the weapon of choice that you want with that level of paranoia when it comes to those type of things. So for you, it might be safer to not have it. Um, and then like, I've known other people who are similar where I'm like, okay, if before you had a gun, would you be so quick to be like, grab a gun type of mentality every time you see, feel or perceive any threat, you know, some people, they see, it don't even have to be in their household. They see something outside their household and immediately you go grab their gun and just peeking out the window. Like that's, that's a little bit ridiculous. Like. It hasn't even, the threat hasn't even approached your house. You don't even know if the threat would approach your house and you're already grabbing your gun. So I think some of the mentality of a lot of people is a little bit toxic when it comes to weapons. And I think that's where I would uh, caution it. So it's one of those things where the Bible says all things are lawful, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I would not be brought under the power of any. So it's one of those matters where if you find yourself being brought under the power of weapons and guns so like it's one thing to just get a pistol it's another thing where you got to get uh uh these weapons that are just like massive where you just got to have a storage of rifles and gun collections i think that does become a idol you know some uh, perspective where you may be idolizing these weapons to an extent and this culture i'm from the midwest i'm from up north so we don't have that type of culture of hunting as much or like collecting weapons up north at least legal weapons (laughs) but i know in the south that is a more of a thing because in a lot of areas they have open carry and even like i think indiana and ohio i think it's indiana i can't remember which one but i think there are some open carry states even up north here so i it's just a different culture for me coming from chicago so that's kind of how i view it yeah it, it it you know it raises the question, though, um, mm-hmm. for a lot of us Christians, and um, is pulling a gun your first instinct, you know, like you mentioned, um, or is, you know, honestly, like I say, I've got friends who will plead the blood, like they honestly feel in their spirits, in their hearts, that if an intruder comes in, they can plead, they can say the name of Jesus, and that be more powerful enough like than, war room. you know, pulling a gun. <laughs> and I understand it. I understand both sides. Um, I, I get I get it. And so, I mean, but at the end of the day, as Christians that are striving to be the best that we can be so that we can be the best humans that we can be. Let me challenge those Christians. Like I say, I'm not a gun owner, but let me Mm -hmm. challenge some of those types of Christians train of thought. Mm -hmm. If you do believe in the power of God, could you call on the name of Jesus and have him turn that situation around? Let's just say instead of killing an, a 15 year old boy that's that's searching for change in your car. Right. Instead of running out the house with a pistol just to shoot the block down and kill mm-hmm. him. Could you have handled that differently? Right. Could you have because I've got the next door 
app and I see mm-hmm. people that, you know, talk about their house being broken into and how they better not come to my home because if they come to my home, I'm going uh, to let go on them. Right. I see those types of comments and I know a bunch of them are Christians. And so uh, for my Christian bros and sis out there, let me ask you, um, are you asking yourself the question, can I pray over this situation in the moment? Yes, in the moment. Can I just say, Jesus, help bring direction? Can I say something quickly in the moment to um, uh, change things um, in such a way to where a life is not taken? Um I, for those types of instances, I know a lot of people want to jump to the very extreme, but I mean, come on, man. I mean, there's little kids out here that's breaking into cars and ch- taking change. I mean, it's just... You know, it's, it's not real life mm-hmm. intruders just breaking in everyone's home on the block. I mean, and so yeah. um, I know we like to sensationalize those types of uh, scenarios. And I, I mean, I go to sleep every night almost thinking about that. Like, man, if an intruder, I hope I yeah. lock the doors. You know, it's like a certain <laughs> level of fear that will try That's to real. creep in. But I just wanted to throw that out there. Let me ask you, Christians, um, can you can you um could you have handled the situation differently than how you envisioned it? Because I know a lot of you all envision it as, all right, an intruder breaks in, I'm running to my nightstand, grabbing my pistol and running straight towards the intruder. Can we envision it a bit differently? That's all I got to ask. Oh, that's good questions. And I think we can leave on that note. The only caveat I would add is when I became a husband, the whole topic of protection became a lot more uh pivotal because i think deep down it's like well you know if it's just me if i'm on my own and someone breaks in and if they die it's like you know to live is christ and to die is game but then just the thought of someone else being harmed under your watch it's just a level of you being the protector as the man it's a part of that where you get a little bit i think there's a little bit of insecurity you get with it and then i think also there's a level of wanting uh, to protect your family and be a protector and uh, the one thing I will add to that is if the police are my sole source of protection as a man, when it comes to my family, then I'm, I don't believe that I'm properly protecting my family. The, the police should be the last line of defense. I should be first is how I look at it. Um, so that would be the only caveat. That was the only thing that brought in consideration me getting a gun was wanting to be a secure line of defense for my family and not relying just solely on the police. I, I, I'm the same way. Um, I and just and and to throw, you know, me into the mix, uh, throw kids into the mix. It, it becomes a, that's where the paranoia for me comes. Like uh, when I was just married with no kids, yes, I'm you know at all cost, you know, for trying to. Now I'm thinking about protecting. Um, but then when you start to get these growing toddlers, you know, who are into everything, right. it makes you think like, you know, man, if they got a hold of this gun. And I understand there's safety, you know, protections on guns and you don't have to have it loaded. And, you know, we can teach our kids safe um, gun, uh, you know, firearm, you know, safety and things of that nature. But it still just crosses my mind. Like if my daughter, if my son grabbed my mm-hmm. gun and accidentally shot himself and killed himself, mm-hmm. I could never live that down. It, I, right. I just I, I'd be depressed. So. Uh, great, great topic here. Um, Christians and guns. What do you all think? Uh, throw your comments out there and tell us what do you think as far as Christians owning guns? Um, I know that the most common um, idea is keeping that 
uh, you know, is the Second Amendment. Um, and so I know a lot of I, I would want to say that there from the looks of it, how the media portrays it, there are more Christians that own guns um, than not. And so uh, what are your thoughts on Christians owning guns? Moving on to the next topic. This is going to be a deep one. Um, and we must keep it uh, significant. We must keep it against the grain. And so we want to talk about this identity. We want to talk about the identity of which comes first, your blackness or your Christian identity. And the reason we must talk about this, the the reason why we must uh, share our discussion on this is primarily because it is a growing common theme to where uh, politics is being talked about in such a light to where it brings up race a lot more often than not. And uh, anytime, you know, something is happening, it's, uh, you know, race-based. I mean, just in our news, the way media has been portraying things, it's always race-based. And so um, we must talk about it. Um, what comes first, your Black identity or your Christian identity? For me, I believe that my Christian identity comes first. It has always come first because growing up before I found Christ, I was ridiculed. I was talked about for the way I looked. Um, I was always, you know, and when I got to a certain point in high school, you know, I, you know, you're trying to figure out who you want to hang with. You are searching for your identity in this walk with, you know, in this life. And a lot of people are out there searching for identity, searching for purpose. And I was able to find my identity through Christ. And I remember some of the first few instances where when I first, um, you know, found my way with Christ, I remember having this, uh, this burden still on me, the stigma still on me to where I had to be so uh, cautious with who I was seen with. Right. When I was searching for popularity, I could only be seen with a select few people. Right. You know, I didn't want the embarrassment of being seen with, you know, a short, stumpy, smelly looking dude. And so <laughs> I remember when I came to Christ, I had to put that train of thought away. I had to say, look, um, I'm not so much concerned with who I'm around. I'm so much concerned with who I'm uh, winning for Christ. And so um, I had to let go of that embarrassment. I had to let go of that stigma, that train of thought. And I had to say, look, the reason I have become this way is because I'm a kingdom citizen and now I withhold my Christian identity. Am I to negate the color of my skin? No, because you can't do that in this world. Um, because I mean, first impressions are everything. And the way the history has been, you know, showing us that people are so intrigued with color. And I don't think it should be that way. It wasn't that way in Bible times. If you think about Moses, he was in the Egyptian camp and he was not Egyptian. And so, I mean, he probably didn't look like them. He probably, but guess what? They, they, they had, you know, they just embraced, they just, you know, did what they did. And so I, I, color wasn't an issue. Race wasn't a thing. But um, a lot of times in today's society, I think the common misconception is to put your color of your skin even before Jesus Christ. And um, I don't think that should be the case. Yeah, well put. Um, <clears throat> so I don't necessarily disagree with that because it's very much in line with a lot of how I view it. I think it's just uh, how I come to the conclusion is a little it's a little bit more like I think nuanced. So the short answer is should a 
black or white, whoever, put their race before their faith in Jesus Christ? And the answer is no, you shouldn't put your race. So I'm a Christian before I'm black. I think to really throw a wrench in this conversation and to really uh, spice it up, I guess, would be what what would be the pushback on that? So it's really just talking about what the pushback would be on it. And I think it comes from a perspective of this uh, white centered religion, the, the positioning of um, the Christian faith from the lens of like whiteness. And so I think that's where the conversation really stems. And so because a lot of Christianity is centered around a white experience in this country, I think that's where it's made. I mean, because I look at it from the standpoint of why would somebody want to be what, what, why would it matter if you're black before Christian? Like, why would that matter? What well, it obviously has to be some, uh, potential deterrents that are getting in the way. So if if being black is a reality that I live in, so I'm an African American, my skin color is brown, and that's a reality that I live in, people when they see me, especially, you know, they see me hair twisted, so on so on and so forth, they're gonna be like, they're not gonna see me and say, oh, that's a Christian right away at least on the outside looking in let's say they were about 20 feet away they're gonna say oh that gentleman or that guy he's black you know they're already gonna say black and they're gonna immediately go to the first frame of reference they have of a black person so if they have positive experiences so if it's a white person and they have positive experiences with black people the first frame of reference when they see a person that fits my description is going to be a positive thought if they've had negative interactions or if they have negative perceptions of people with my skin color, they're going to go default to that. And that's the same way that it's just normal for all of us to do that, you know, because we oftentimes use stereotypes as a shortcut. And so I think as a result of the experiences that black people have had when it comes to racism, there's a case to be made racism in terms of the faith. When we talk about the faith, I think the reason why blackness comes, I don't know if first is the right way to put it, but for the sake of argument, may come first before someone talks about their faith is because there is this division in the church between black and white. There's a people say, why is there a black church? That sounds divisive, but there's a black church because there's a white church, right? So there's yes. a black church because of segregation, because of racism. There is a black church because this racial casting system was created. And so it doesn't mean that it's, you know, universally maintained in all areas. And it's something that we should maintain intentionally. We should be very intentional about creating spaces where we can have uh, diversity and differences of opinions, views, so on and so forth. Um, but when we talk about race and we talk about blackness, why a black person would put their race before that? I mean, even when we talk about politically, so like some people are of the opinion that if you are a Christian, there's no circumstance in which you should vote Democrat. <laughs> there's no circumstance in which you should vote Democrat because they do not consistently uphold uh, the standards of the Bible. Not to mention that the Republicans don't either, but let's just bring that up into conversation. So, uh, but here's the thing. I would argue that the vast majority 
of black people vote Democrat. And there is a great segment of black, I would argue majority, I don't know this to be a fact, but if we just go based on the numbers of African-Americans and how connected they are with the Christian faith, that most of them vote Democrat if they vote. <laughs> and they're all Christians. And so, but you would say, why? There's, you know, there's some type of disconnect in it because what what is believed oftentimes is that one party does care about something that is also biblical in addition to abortion and uh, same-sex marriage, all these other things. And they believe that the one biblical thing that that is upheld is a pursuit of equality and justice and those type of things. Now, whether or not you disagree, because I don't fully agree with that, but whether or not you agree or disagree, it doesn't matter. But for sake of conversation, I'm mentioning that part because that's a clear, direct reflection of one's race as to why. And, and that's something that, and I don't, I have, I'm very critical of that. Just voting for Democrat, just because you're black or just voting Democrat, because you uh, feel that they will actually address the things that you want to address when in reality they don't. <laughs> I mean, it's not a matter of that. They don't really effectively address those matters of justice as well. So all of that being said, there is a case for why one, and I was in this camp before God had uh, revealed to me personally the importance of putting my faith first. But there was a situations where I was like, you know, I'm black before I'm a Christian and I'm going to make sure that I don't lose that part. And mainly because when you negate your blackness as a Christian, you get assimilated to whiteness. It, the expectation becomes everything that's associated with black now is wrong. And you start to look down on your race. And I think that's the mentality a lot of people uh, think about when they think about putting blackness back. So we put blackness in the forefront because it's been resisted, but we don't make blackness. And here is the key caveat. We don't make blackness an idol. We do not make it an idol. So it, I'm, I'm open to people who feel blackness is important for them to emphasize over faith because of the condition of Christianity in this country, I I don't think that they're saying blackness in a sense of it being an idol more important than Jesus, but it has to come into. It's like I'm experiencing I'm experiencing this conversion, this faith through the lens of a black man or a black woman. I think that's where they're coming from. They're like the lens in which I'm experiencing God is from that lens because of the country we live in and because of the historical experiences that we have. So, what do you think about that? It gets into the topic of um, segregation, integration. I know a lot of Blacks would choose to be segregated. Um, I know a lot of Blacks that have no ill will towards any group of people. Um, so it, it, it's sort of like, for me, it jumps into that topic of, you know, do you think Blacks should be segregated away by themselves and try to build back up like things like uh you know, Black Wall Street and, you know, just are we in, are, are we talking about that idea? Because if if we jump into that topic, we start to we start to go off and wondering and OK, 
Because the the mindset is it hasn't gotten right historically. It hasn't shown to. I mean, maybe some maybe some people think that it has gotten better. Some people will dare say that it's gotten worse as far as equality uh, is concerned. And so a lot of people will want to be more segregated. And so I think if you come from that perspective, it becomes a tough thing because now um, I don't think that that is the godlike thing to do. Um, but I, I mean. I'm not the expert. I don't know. I mean, you know, and so I just don't know. I think we should all be kingdom citizens. My Christian instincts will tell me that I think we should all just mm-hmm. be equal. I, my Christian instincts mm-hmm. tell me that we can all be equal. But obviously, <laughs> man has fought against that Christian, you know, value for so long to the point where mm-hmm. here we are talking about this conversation. I personally don't yeah. think that we should be segregated, as many of you all can see and tell. I mix myself. And so it would be hard for me to say that knowing here I am being here I am mixed breed. And so um, I don't believe that we should be segregated. I hear people talking about Kamala Harris. I'm like, look, I'm mixed with Indian. So am I black? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like, uh, well, I'm mixed right. with Trinidadian with ancestors from India. So it's like, look, am I black? So I don't subscribe to the idea of um, putting my color first, I, I, as you can see, um, because I'm just that super Christian that believes that God is going to make a way. Um, and, and so I, I think that, and then so on the topic of segregating races, I don't believe in that either. And so I think that we could put our skin color uh, um, on the top of the forefront in such a way to where it can, you know, and we have, like you mentioned, black church, black Twitter, you know, everything is black, black, black. We should take pride in what we are, who we are, but it always seems like it always crumbles. It always gets collapsed by other people mm. in such a way to where it makes us think, okay, can we be both black and Christian? And you mentioned it. A lot of blacks do vote for Democrats. And, and but, but guess what? There is a, there is a growing, I feel there is a growing um, mm-hmm. spike in black Republicans as well. And it's one of those things where if you keep Keep an eye out. You'll see this growing trend of blacks that are out there. You just got to you do have to look a little harder, but they are out there. And so um, my Christian identity supersedes all of this, um, because at the end of the day, I do believe that God can take care of all of this. But it takes like we mentioned in previous videos, it takes a supernatural thing that's going to come from people bowing down, burning their idols, burning, you know, everything that that is prideful. I think it's going to take some things from us as well to let go. And as far as what I'm seeing uh, for the vast majority of people, um, it's going to take a supernatural just overwhelming, you know, spirit to come and, and change our thought process because politics has seemed to just corrupt the minds. Yeah. Politics has seemed to talk colorism so much to the point where we can't get off of it and God's not there any longer. And so mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I don't know. That's interesting. I don't I don't think we should I don't think segregation is the well, what do you think? I don't think segregation mm-hmm. is the answer either. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I don't I don't think it's the answer. Uh, and but here's the thing: Are we having a conversation about segregation when we're talking about should you be black first then Christian, or are we having a conversation of restoring one's identity? Because I do think, like for example, the children of Israel when they became the Jews when they became converted to Christians, 
they still upheld a lot of their Jewish traditions. Being a Jew still mattered to them to the point where they were so normative in their Jewish experiences that the Gentile believers, they wanted them to uphold those traditions and things of that nature. So that was, in a sense, them putting their ancestry and tradition over Christ. And they had to be corrected uh, by Apostle Paul. And the apostles all got together and had this conversation. And it was determined that they should not put the Gentiles under the same expectations as the Jews, mainly because God wasn't holding them to those same expectations, mainly because he gave them their spirit. He gave them his spirit. He filled them with the Holy Ghost. And that was something that they didn't even know could happen. So based off of that experience, and so I've used that as an example to say, there are going to be in some cases where we as, and I think this is what, this is where the conversation really is at. How much, what areas of blackness have to go away for me to be a Christian? And if those areas have to go away, is it because they're toxic and not in alignment with God and his word? Or are they, do they have to go away because they make white people feel comfortable? And that's where I think the conversation really should aim at. If it's just toxic in and of itself, there's some things in our culture that are toxic. I mean, the fact that when they talk about politics and they say, you know, we're going to do this for black people, we're going to bring criminal justice reform, like all black people are criminals. Like, you know, the fact that that criminality is a part of a cult, when you associate that type of stuff with a culture, Mm -hmm. like that's just so wrong. And so if we're saying criminal behavior is a part of blackness that we want to maintain, then obviously that's a toxic thing for us to want to keep. So toxic things we need to let up on if that's what defines blackness. But if there's positive things like black history, so on and so forth, or just uh, certain traditional practices like jumping a broom at weddings or, you know, whatever, whatever traditions that we uphold that aren't toxic. If you're asking us to get rid of those things just to be Christian, then that's where the issue comes. And I don't believe that that's the case, but I'm sure there's some, there is an invalidation in at certain times where, you know, you have black people that attend certain churches that are probably predominantly white and they don't feel as validated. So there may, that may be where the conversation is. Are we validating people in their heritage enough to where they feel comfortable? Have we really gotten out of that segregation mentality? Have we really given enough, shown enough love in those regards? And those are conversations that we've had with uh, our pastors and with the other ministers and things like that is making sure that we're, we're giving the level of validation, not idolizing their race, but showing enough love, compassion, mm-hmm. and validation that, you know, you're, you are a good, you are good just the way you are whether you're black, white, whatever, you are good and God loves you. And are we validating those mm-hmm. people? Yeah, I'm in agreement with that. I think that should be the case. I think that should. And it's going to take some some huge efforts to do so. Um, I, I know like we have some, some ministers within our circle um, who, you know, really are um, advocates of white evangelicals coming to the table and apologizing and validating. And I think we've seen some of that within our own circle. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I think it it will take a huge effort from um, white evangelicals to really go out of their way and uh, apologize and validate that, look, we got your backs. We with you. 
we may have differing ideas when it comes to politics. Who know? I don't know. It's just come to the mm-hmm. table and talk about it. And so I think it'll take take a huge push, a huge effort in everyone um, making that cognizant effort in doing so. But uh, it could be done. It could be done. Yeah. yeah. Next topic at hand. How do and this is a fun this is a fun topic, uh, especially for Truth, who's in the you know the industry, if you will, um, who's in the music industry and who loves uh, his music, who loves his art, um, and who takes it seriously. And if you haven't by now, um, please go and check out his site, uh, Trutha. Truth of Music, um, you know, it's on YouTube. You can find them on Spotify, all the streaming platforms. Um, and that information will be in the description below. We want to talk about how directly Christian music should promote Jesus. Now, what we're saying is when you hear Christian music, how many times should you hear the name Jesus? How how direct should the 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 topic of the message Jesus be implemented into that song? Um, I think especially in Christian rap, um, we, we Christian hip hop is the genre. Chh is the is the genre that we know it as. And you know, oftentimes you have two sides of the story. You have one side that's saying, "Look, it's art, it's music." I'm a Christian, so I bring glory to God at all times. But then you have some, you know, of the audience the, of the following who say, look, you, you're not saying the name of Jesus enough. You're not speaking Christian values and principles enough in your songs. And it sounds secular. And so my stance on how direct Jesus should be in music is, you know, the scripture even reminds us that, you know, a tree by the fruit it bears for me. When I'm in the workplace, and here's the, the discrepancy here. Here's the issue um, for musicians that have made music their career. It's their career. And if you take a step back and say, well, how often do you preach the name of Jesus within your career? You know what I mean? Like for me personally, I don't preach the name of Jesus at all in my career. Like I let my light shine. I'm not saying the name of Jesus. I'm not, you know, preaching Bible scriptures. I'm not saying I'm not doing any of that. I'm here Mm -hmm. for a job. And so it becomes this warped, um, thwarted um, ideology idea because it's like, well, for musicians that look at music as their (laughs) career, I mean, they're trying to make hits. They're trying to make songs. And, um, you know, for them, it may not, they may be Christians. They may go to church and have a serious relationship with God. But when it comes to making hits, they may not say the name of Jesus and they may not have scripture in there. And so now to dig a little deeper, you have to ask yourself, okay, so why be under the Christian umbrella of things? And so that is where it becomes the topic of discussion now is when you're under the Christian umbrella of music and Christian genres, why is it that you have taken on that genre instead of just going out there to make music? Because when you've rapped now, when you've like Lecrae has talked about for many years, putting himself in a box, well, you put yourself in that box because you decided to do Christian music. And so um, I've got some other favorite Christian rappers out there like D1, Bizzle. You know, a lot of their music is just considered truth music, martyr music, you know, music that for them, it's their lifestyle. And so I think that depending on who you are, what you've done, um, I think that your lifestyle will reflect 
your Christian values. I think if you put together an album somehow, some way, Jesus will come up. The the message will be there about him dying, his death on the cross, his resurrection. You know, I think all of that will be there. The gospel message, I think it will be there in an album. Um, and not every song has to have the name of mm-hmm. Jesus directly into it. No, that was good. No, that's a good perspective. And I just want to add to that. Um, so coming from the perspective as a Christian artist, a Christian rapper, um, yeah, I think the question in and of itself is a little bit unfair. <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head because if you especially if you put it in the context of music being a career. Now, some people refer to like you have some artists like uh Kingdom Music, Brian Trail, and like uh God Over Money or Hog Mob, a lot of dudes that consider their music, um, they have non-for-profit set up. It's like a ministry. It's almost set up like a ministry. And, and that's an option that a lot of Christian artists do where they set it up like a non-for-profit, a ministry, and they operate that way. And that's good. Nothing wrong with that. You know, that's totally cool. I, I, lo- I love it. Uh, you know, I say, if that's where you're called to, go ahead. But then you have others who music is a legitimate career just like how you may be a plumber you may be uh i don't know a computer programmer so on and so forth there's so many other so many careers out there or you may work at AT at&t you may work at mcdonald's and so my my thought is if you believe that every christian artist every christian creative needs to speak the name of jesus in every song there's a certain amount there used to be a running theme of jesus per minute and how many you had to have for christian rap for example and it's like you needed to have a certain amount of jesus per minute in your in your verse in your song for it to be considered a christian rap and that was a little running joke that still kind of shows up but my thought is like you said jeffton if you're not if you're when you ask me how how much how much should Jesus be directly promoted in Christian music, just as much as you would expect a Christian to do in real life. And the Bible says he that winneth souls is wise. The Bible talks about becoming all things to all people that you may win some. It didn't say win all, but it said some. So we adjust our approach musically to maybe not water down, but to make more palatable. So it'd be much easier for me to make a song that generally talks about the love of God than for me to explain how Christ's love was shown through the death, the burial, and the resurrection, his death, burial, and resurrection, and how he came back. If I went too deep into the details of it, I can talk about the gospel, but if I went too deep into the scriptures from quoting verse by verse to make the case, for Christ. And there are some rappers that do that and some artists that do that. And that's great. But if I were to go so deep into the minutiae, guess what? I'm probably going to be speaking to people who are like me, who care enough about the theology side of things rather than just the experience. But if I talk about the love of Christ in a very generalized way where you get the principles that come from a Christian worldview, that come from a perspective of unconditional agape love, then that has the opportunity to reach across the board to other people and it can actually win like the bible says some because that's what the goal is and so mm-hmm. there are several artists who you may feel or some people may feel you know it doesn't even really sound like what i would perceive a christian rap song <laughs> sorry what i would perceive a christian rap song to sound like 
because I don't really hear much about God, Jesus. I don't hear much about the word. But when you look at it from that perspective, if that was the goal, then every Christian should be like that. Wherever they are, they should be talking about God, Jesus, the word. They should be quoting verses. They should be doing that in all facets of life. Now, there are some Christians that do that. And I'm not going to diss them because I'm sure there's some fruit behind it. But sometimes that's not wise. There are certain spaces where you got to let your, that's why, and I love the wisdom of Jesus, where he said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven, making the case for our Mm -hmm. lifestyles being much, uh, much bigger representations than a single song. So my evaluation criteria when it comes to Christian rappers is one, are you continuing to promote the good things of God in however you present it? Like, are the things you're talking about, if you're going to talk about a relationship or breakup, are you pointing them in a way back to God? Are you pointing them in the direction of God? Or are you being transparent enough in the testimonial to where the mm-hmm. flaws were? Is it healthy? Is it something that's healthy for anyone? And that's the same criteria I use for all music. But is this message a healthy message that's going to help to uplift Christians and non-Christians? And point them to Jesus, even if you don't say Jesus. And then also, are you glorifying evil? If you're glorifying evil and or making and Ruslan put me on to this, and it's really made it a lot easier for me to kind of critique uh, music in general and Christian music. Are you calling good things evil and evil things good? If you are doing that, then immediately, then that's where the issues and the red flags should come up. So, if I'm glorifying drug use in a song then that's where it becomes problematic as a Christian. So, and I think Christian rap is the easiest genre to get. I think the most flack when it comes to this regard, you don't hear this a lot or as much with gospel music. Although there was a time, I mean, if you watch the Clark sister, the Clark sisters movie, you see there was a time where even lifting up the name of Jesus directly, but sounding like the world in doing so was sinful mm-hmm. in a lot of their <laughs> people's eyes. And so there was a lot of trouble, like, you know, dancing, you know, fully women, fully dressed, fully covered and anything, not too revealing, lifting up the name of Jesus. But because of the styles of the songs, because of the platform in which they performed those songs, you know, there was a lot of issues within the denomination that they were a part of. So, those are some of my thoughts. I would love to hear some more from you on it. But yeah, it's just it's just a matter of making sure you keep that same energy in all areas of life then. And so if you're saying mm-hmm. that Jesus needs to be explicit everywhere, then when you go to your job, even though they they put exactly. it in place, you know, this that religion is not to be brought up in the workplace. You go to your job and say, you're not going to persecute me and I'm going to speak the name of Jesus, you know, at, you know, as much as I feel like as God leading me to and just continue to speak the name of Jesus, getting in trouble and then just blaming it on the persecution of the church. Then if that's your ministry and calling, then do so in all areas. But don't just hold uh, Christian creatives to that standard. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I had to learn um, throughout the years. <laughs> I remember I used to be a, I wouldn't consider a fan, but I, I, or a follower, but I used to listen to a lot of a, a guy called G Craig Lewis. Um, mm. And if you know anything about G Craig, he's super cutthroat. He actually um, is, I'm actually now living in the area that he's in. And I never knew that about him until like a year or two ago. But anyways, um, he used to be super cutthroat when it came to, he had a book out called, um, 
uh, what was it like exposing hip hop or something like mm -hmm. that, something along those lines. And I read it um, and it was all about the idea of exposing these artists. But uh, in a lot of his uh, messages, um, he always, you know, after a while, it started to come off as judgmental. And, you know, I had to ask myself a question. I had to say, dude, do I know these people? Can I really <laughs> be a discerner of spirits to people that I don't even know of? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know T.D. Jakes. I don't know uh, uh, Ruslan. I don't know uh, Bizzle, D1. I don't know these people. Yeah, I could be seen in pictures with them, but I don't know these people. Like, how can I really discern a character of a man, the spirit of a man, the heart of a man when I don't know them and I'm not buddy buddies with them? We don't talk. And all, all I can see is what the media is, what I can see online. Mm -hmm. And so to that point, I think that is why I... Um, think that more Christian artists should do interviews because it can help, especially those that want to listen to just straight, like I'm only listening to, you know, select few Christian artists nowadays because, eh, let me take that back. Spotify be playing, plays a lot of music for me to where I get to, you know, dabble in a lot of different mm -hmm. artists, uh, artists, but I think more artists should do uh, uh, interviews so that yeah. the fans can learn more about them, decide where they're, you know, they're, you know, let them be the judge of whether or not they want to listen to their music at the end of the day by mm -hmm. what they see um, through these interviews. Um, because if it isn't shown in the music, um, I think what could help are interviews. And so that's helped me. I remember Bizzle years ago, you know, I used to do little interviews here and there. D1, I'm a, you know, and I follow all the artists that I talk about. I follow them on social media, you know, and it's like Bizzle's a family man. D1, he's just constantly grinding. You know what I mean? Like I want some of these other dudes that I listen to. They're just, you know, just constantly grinding, constantly about business. And so I'm able to be the discerner myself and as a, a, a person who is you know consuming their music i be the i'm the judge at the end of the day and whether or not i'll continue to you know consume mm -hmm. their music or not consume their music and so um i think i think though for those spiritually mature folks in christ um, I, I think it'll just reflect through music at the end of the day. When you do mm -hmm. so many songs, I, I mean, because as someone who has wrote lyrics myself, um, I mean, it's going to come out of you. I mean, what else, I mean, you can't just constant. I mean, unless your brain is wired that way, just okay. Got to make hits. This is the common keywords to be used in song. I mean, unless your brain is wired that way. I mean, I just don't see how as mm -hmm. a Christian man or woman, you can sit at the table pen and pad and Christendom, Christian values, Christian principles just don't come out. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. um, it's hard for me to really see a, a Christian who is not a proponent of Jesus and who is not directly putting Jesus into their music um, when they got him inside of them. Yeah. And so I think um, more interviews should be done. Mm -hmm. I think um, the church is going to judge you regardless. I think so that as uh, church folks, I'm talking to you now, stop judging these artists um, because you don't know them. Um, you don't know them at all. You don't know their hearts. You don't know, you know, you don't know a thing about them, right. by, but except by the music that they put out. And so stop judging them. Uh, <clears throat> 
I think also Christian artists go out and do more interviews. So um, that's what I got on the topic. I think it, it's a it's a touchy one because you never know at the end of the day unless you're that person when where their heart is with God. I know Lecrae gets a lot of slack um, and I've given them a bunch, you know, and I've even told you this many of times that time will tell whether or not his approach to the things of the gospel um, were efficient or not. And I think the scripture reminds us of that too. You know, um, time will tell, you know, is it, if it's for God, it'll be lifted up. If it's not for God, it, it won't be lifted up. And so Thanks. Um, I, I know Lecrae is, you know, the number one, as far as Christian rap goes, I know he's the most common, you know, rapper in, you know, the Christian space mm-hmm. and um, the most famous one for sure. Right. And um, I think that he has um, sort of evolved. He has put himself in that position where he said he never wanted to be in that box of just making Christian music. But if you ever noticed all his music, if it's got the name of Jesus in it or not, is somehow pointing to Jesus. So, you know, I've given him a bunch of grief about this stuff, but it, it just goes to show you, man, how the media can be so persuasive in pushing certain agendas. And so I think, but if you truly sit down and listen to all his music, man, it's always going to point back to Jesus. If he says the name of Jesus or not, it's pointing to him. Why? Because that's his lifestyle and it's reflected through what he says. And um, I I mean, truth, I know you've got some stuff out there. Um, I would challenge you, man, go do some more interviews so that, you know, people can, I know you, you know, you know, (laughs) I know what you all about, but um, because I'm your brother. I mean, but I mean, for people out there, because I see your views too on Spotify, man, you got some, you got some views out there. You got a little (laughs) following out there. So, man. You know, throw some interviews out there so your following can learn more about you and learn that the man of God that you truly are. You know, I'm working on it, man. <laughs> I'm working on I'm trying to get out there. But no, I think just to mm-hmm. just to wrap up everything you said, I think it's very clutch. I think it's very in season. It's just the bottom line is remember, these people are humans and they have yeah. they live in a human experience. They are they're creatives by nature. So. They want to step, they want to color outside the lines because that's what creative people do. And it's one of those things where these people aren't your pastors. Now, some people may be ordained, like it just so happens I'm an ordained minister that makes, that does Christian rap. So fair enough, if you want to hold me to a standard that is above some of these other guys, but some of these dudes coming in like, uh, what up RG, you know, came in 19 year old rapping. You're going to hold a 19 year old to the same standard you're going to hold your pastor to just on a rap song like that's just ridiculous a lot of times people don't look at it that way and so these people are just trying to build up careers making music that honors god and then it's not going to be perfect you know just like it's not going to be perfect for us have you ever found yourself in a situation where you were like ah this isn't a good look for me i shouldn't have went here or oh uh i didn't necessarily i wasn't the greatest witness you know we're we're hard enough on ourselves in this faith and we condemn ourselves and the Bible says there's no condemnation to them that are of him and whatnot. And so we have a place where we can get reconciled and repent and we can grow from it and learn because God has given us the grace, but we shouldn't be in a state where we're constantly condemning artists or constantly looking down. Now, I've disagreed vehemently in a lot of ways with certain things that have happened with some of our Christian artists. I think they've, there's been a lot of problematic things, but I also understand too, that, I disagree a lot of stuff that's happened in church. I disagree with a lot of stuff that happens in a lot of areas in, in the workforce. So it's like, not, this is an imperfect world. We are imperfect people. 
it's going to reflect everywhere. So giving people enough grace to grow from it and, you know, helping. And here's the, like the assumption was like that it was just like fans that were so coming at Lecrae crazy, but no, there were other artists and there were people in private having legitimate conversations where they were able to really unpack more. And he he wrote a whole book on it. So my thought process is if you haven't taken the time to hear some of these people in long form, talk about it and unpack. And sometimes when they just talk about it in long form, like they kind of expose themselves even more and they have to kind of go back. So, so it's one of those things where like, not everybody is for everybody, but at the same time, not every ministry is for everybody. Like, for example, there's certain things like I'm not into Christian miming like that. <laughs> That's just not for me, maybe. But there's some people that love it and it really blesses them. And it's not to criticize. There's some really good Christian mimes out there, but that's just not for me. Like to me, it's, I have my thoughts on it, but it reaches other people. So I'm, I'm going to shut up. There's people that aren't into rap, Christian rap. They just don't like rap. And I do like rap. So we disagree, but just allowing us all to coexist. Some people love uh, theology rap. They love explicitly Jesus music. Okay, well, there's plenty of that. G, they get, you got Bizzle, you got Dayton, you got Brian Trail, you got so many artists that are just super explicit with their faith and their music. Go listen to them. If you like music that is not all up in your face with the you know with the faith and the theology, there's a lot of artists out there for that now. So it's really a palette that you can choose from. You can you can make your own plate. You can put whatever you want on your plate, and no one's wrong. And that's kind of how I look at it. Your light will shine through your artistry. Your light will shine, Christian rappers, um, uh, Christian singers. Uh, your light will shine. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, when you're doing this for him, you know, it, it, it'll be it'll be one of those things where he can judge you, you know, for whether or not you should continue. The thing is, there's a lot of fakers out there too. You got some real mainstream artists out there right now who are killing it, got millions of views who are not living a life for God at all, but their music has touched so many people. And it's weird. It's a weird paradigm because it's mm -hmm. like, man, how can you make spirit-filled music, but you are not living in the ways of God? Yeah. It, it could become a weird thing, but man, God is going to get his His glory somehow, some way. You know, you, folks that's out here playing the things of Jesus, you, don't, don't do that because, mm -hmm. you know, you're only playing yourself. Exactly. Um, and because God, he could use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And so that has been another episode with talks against the grain look we hope you enjoyed it if you're interested in our content please 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 continue to show your support like you've been doing man we've been killing it with the views as yes, far sir. as you know us being just such a fairly new channel with no marketing attached we've been killing it with the views so it sounds like you all are interested in our content so if you have any ideas look we want to see some um some more of you all chatting in the comments as well as far as you know your takes on things i know we we have a lot of talks against the grain and it can get controversial at times with certain subjects, with certain topics. Um, so shoot us your comments, your thoughts in the comments below. And I'm sure Truth or I could get to those comments as, you know, Sir. as we see fit. And so, look, thank you for your support and we'll see you next time.